0: The following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. I'm finishing a series tonight that I call The Life God Blesses. And uh, I have enjoyed this series and I trust you have. We've had a good, good time talking about some things in this session, in this series. So we're gonna finish tonight. And in the month of March, We're going to talk on Sundays about the road to redemption. We're going to to lead up to the cross, the road to redemption. Aren't you glad Jesus went to the cross for us? Isn't that an awesome thing? It's an awesome thing. And I'm glad he walked the Via Della Rosa. I'm glad he went for us. I'm glad he bore the cross for us. I get moved every time I start talking about what he has done for me personally. Every time I get healed, I thank him for the cross when I got saved, I thank him for the cross. Because I'm alive and well today, I thank him for the cross. The cross said no to the devil and yes to sinners. Amen. What a joy to have a Christ that took our burdens and took our sorrows and our sins and our pain. And let him be, let him be nailed to the cross. And I'm so happy to be preaching about him In this month Now Sunday we have a special special person here with us Our first outside guest minister Is going to be with us Sunday He is the president of Destiny Ministry Dr. Phil Brassfield I'm a part of Destiny And uh, he houses in Arkansas He is a brilliant person He's spoken here before You will love his ministry And I love the fact that he can get it said right now Just because he's a doctor Doesn't mean he's going to take forever to operate on you you can get it said right now. You'll love him. You'll love his humor. You'll love his directiveness. You'll love his ministry. And we're going to have a great, great time. We're also here on Monday hosting a regional uh, Destiny uh, ca- a conference here. Uh, people are coming here. We'll have about 70 pastors that are going to be with us on, on Monday. We're going to have a wonderful day with those ministries. And, uh, and Dr. Phil will, Dr. Phil, listen at me. Dr. Phil is going, <laughs> going to be speaking to them on Monday. Amen. Would you stand, you're incredible people, and I love you. Uh, wave at my wife over there. She's my buddy. Wave at Patty. I love Patty. I love Patty. You can whistle if you want to. It mean you're whistling, too, or you're whistling. Yeah, that's it. That's good. That's good. That's enough of that heart blessing. All right. You know, you know I'm very happy. I'm very happy to pastor this congregation. I, I just, I can't get the smile off my face. We were not expecting what the church did for us on Sunday. We were not expecting that at all, and uh, we, didn't, we hadn't even thought about it, really. We hadn't even thought about it, but thank you for the honor uh, that you gave to us. And Sunday in the second service, I was privileged to dedicate 11 babies, 11 babies, amen. We had about, had about 15 signed up, but all of them didn't come, didn't come, but the joy of those 11 babies was just absolutely phenomenal, and I love the fact that this place is a happy place, we always have a lot of babies to dedicate. That's a sign of a happy church. Don't you ever doubt it. That's a sign of a happy church. A lot of kids. Kids come when people are happy. Everybody say, the life God blesses. Turn to somebody and say, he restores my soul. That's what he does. He restores my soul. You may be seated. God bless. We've been involved in a series that I would like to draw from once again tonight. A series about the soul, the soul, entitled The Life God Blesses. There's not a person here tonight that does not want to be blessed by the Lord, is there? Everybody wants that. All have the desire to have God's favor and blessings on their life. Many times we think God is angry with us and the Bible does say his anger is but for a moment, but his favor lasts for a lifetime. And so there's been times when God has shook his finger at me, but I know that he's trying to help me get to another place in life. And as bad as you desire this favor, this blessing from God, God wants it for you more than that. Quickly, let me review how all this got started. I told the story, I want to say it again tonight, of Michael Plant. Here's a picture of him, an awesome sailor, that one day in 1992 set sail to go to France on a boat called the Coyote. And a sailboat that had all the qualities of excellence, the finest of everything. Yet 11 days into the journey, plant disappeared, never to be found again. I tell that story because it means everything to this whole series. The reason? A four-ton ballast that was attached to the keel underneath the waterline had somehow detached itself, and the sailboat with no stability had flipped over. And all was lost, and plant was never found. And from that, these life lessons have been birthed. And the first life lesson was the strength of life is not what is seen, but what is not seen. And the balancer of life is what is below the waterline, not what is above the waterline. Somebody may seem to have it all together and wrestle with demons at night. And for the last three weeks, we began a journey talking about the soul. Everybody say the soul that part breathed in by God and he breathed into man the breath of life and he became a living soul. That unseen part of man, the hidden heart, the hidden part, hidden man of the heart. And we spoke about spirituality and understanding that spirituality is far greater than a one-time spiritual experience. I love the fact when you got converted, I love the fact when you got saved, I love the fact when you were water baptized, I love all of that, but that can't only be the only time that you ever have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You can't leave that and just go do what you want. You need to walk in the spirit as he is in the spirit. Amen. And the daily discipline of the soul and how to have soul talks with God, learning that spirituality is a journey in the company of the creator. That's what it is. In which he, the Creator, is permitted to guide the way and provide the strength and offer sustenance. And then the second week we talked about the disruptions of life. Everybody's going to have them. Everybody say it rains on the just, it rains on the just and, the and the unjust. Everybody say everybody at the beach at the beach. Everybody at the beach, beach. will see a tide go, we'll see tide go out and a tide come in. The tide. It's the same for the rich and the poor. There's a tide that's always going to go out. There's a tide that's always going to come in. Like Charlie Brown said, every time I go to the beach, my ship has just left never coming in. But your ship will come in if you stay with God long enough. And the same sun that melts wax hardens clay. The sun shines on all of us. It all depends on what your heart is set to receive from God. Convictions grow the third week we learned in special soil. The soul is an ideal place for growing convictions. We learn that ideas and thoughts emerge from the mind and feelings from our emotions, but convictions or values come from the soul. So my thinking is final here. Are you ready for this? The soul is the fulcrum of the spirit and the flesh. The soul is the decider. It's the balance beam. It's the stabilizer. It says we're going to do things fleshly today or we're going to do things spiritually today. It's that soul. David said he restores my soul. And I want your soul to leave here restored tonight when we take communion. I want you to walk out of here saying, I'm going to listen to my soul. I'm going to let my soul tell God what it needs to tell God. I'm going to get honest with God in my private moments. I'm going to get honest with God in my prayer time. I'm going to get honest with God in my Bible reading. I'm going to get honest with God with my family. I'm going to let my soul be the stabilizer and the balancer of my life. I read about a man that was rescued on a deserted island. And he was the only one there. He was the only one on the island. There were three huts behind him. One he declared was his home. The second he declared was his church. And the third he declared was the church he used to go to. <laughs> You'll get that tomorrow. <laughs> or as Jacquez Elul said, no one knows where he is going. The aim of life has been forgotten and the end has been left behind. Man has set out at a tremendous pace to go nowhere, nowhere. The Beatles sang a song way back yonder. He's a real nowhere man, setting in a nowhere land, making all his nowhere plans for nobody. Hasn't got a point of view, knows not where he's going to. Isn't it a bit like you and me? Nowhere man, please listen. You don't know what you're missing. Nowhere man, please turn around. It's time to find direction. The greatest generation, my mom and dad was a part of it, brought us through a war, war and brought us victory and gave us a great America. The baby boomers, that was me, brought a lot of hope. We are the baby boomers. We brought a lot of hope post-World War II. Then Generation X came, the identity conscious people, the folks that looked for an identity. Then Generation Y came, the destiny conscious people, the people that said, where are we going? Not just who are we, but where are we going? The millennials they, they had a little complacency. They wanted the best jobs. And if they didn't get the best jobs, they'd rather just stay home and play Fortnite. They wouldn't take just any other job. And then Gen, Gen Z came, sometimes called anxiety kids. They really are. But one must know who they are to know where they are going. I want you to raise your hand over your head today and say, Pastor, give me a direction. Point me in the path and I will walk in it. I will go forward because I want to follow Jesus all the days of my life. No matter if you're old, no matter if you're young, no matter what the generation you're a part of, I want to follow Jesus. Say amen to that. The world needs finishers in this life. People who will not stop before the finish line that does not, that understands it's not over until God says it is over. And God calls a shot. Patty and I lived in a house for 18 years that our kids live in now. Brad and Cass brought our house that we first lived in when we moved to Austin. We got such a great deal on it, we bought it for almost a song because Circle C was going bankrupt, and we didn't know it until two weeks after we would bought the house. And we thought we would bought a money pit, but we didn't. they came back, and we had a nice home for 18 years. But we used to have some neighbors next door and they were wonderful neighbors. They really, really were. They were kind of people that were just, they were charged with doing it right and doing it the best way. And their family was so together. And they had this young son who played the piano. Oh, he played the piano. Practiced hours a day. And when we were outside or even at our kitchen window sometime, we could hear the noise coming from their house. You could hear him, he made a lot of mistakes, a whole bunch of mistakes. In fact, he wasn't that good. He hit a lot of bad notes when I was in the backyard. I just wanna say, oh God, help him, help him. (laughs) But he would go back and try again. And when he made the mistake, he'd go back and do it over. And one thing that was funny and neat, he always, always finished the piece he was playing. He never quit in the middle. Oh, I feel like teaching right now. I knew it by the low bass note that he always hit, "dong." When the piece was over. And in my mind's eye, I could see him over there in his house bowing to the crowd. Hearing a thunderous applause in his ear. That last last note was so loud, it was so long, and it was so final. He made it clear that he had completed the piece my commitment, my walk with God must be ongoing. I must finish the peace. There's a crown for finishers. There's not even statues made for starters. The race is not to the swift, nor the battle. My Lord, is that for whom the bell tolls? nor the battle to the strong. Jesus said in Matthew 24, but he that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. I love what Columbus did on the journey from Spain to the new world. Every day, no matter what they hit on the way, every day, no matter what storm came up, no matter what ship broke down, no matter what happened, if there was even a mutiny threatened on the, on, the, on, the, on the bow of the boat or on the, on the deck of the boat. Columbus always finished the day with, and this day, we sailed on. Somebody has got to get a we sailed on spirit in your life. It's the first of the year and it's time to say, I want to do life with Jesus Christ. I want to be a life that he blesses. And you know how he's going to bless you? Every time he turns around, you're going to be right there. Every time he shows up, you're going to be there to receive him. Every time you pray, he's going to be there to answer. There's something about the legacy of this thing called the life. God blesses. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. A commander came to a town. He heard all the monks had fled to the mountains. That is all but one. And the commander became enraged because... He heard that one had not run to the mountains afraid of him and he marched to the monastery and kicked in the gate and there stood one lone monk by himself and the commander said I am he who can run you through with a sword without batting an eyelash and the monk answered I am he who can let you run a sword through me without batting an eyelash you don't scare me That, my friend, is living out of the soul. Robert Frost wrote a poem called The Road Less Traveled, and he said, I took that road less traveled. That made all the difference. Can I talk to some young couples? Can I talk to some middle-aged couples? And can I talk to some older couples? We're living in a society that is challenging everything Christ, everything church. They're challenging it. And it's going to take a tremendous heart and a tremendous spirit to walk through all of that and say no matter what my friends do, I'm sold out to Jesus Christ. We need need some sold out people to the kingdom of God. And I believe I'm preaching to those people here tonight because folks just don't go to Wednesday night church anymore. And here you are in a beautiful house. A Spanish priest named Carlos Villas tells a story in India about riding his bicycle on the road one day, and he noticed an unusual quietness on the road that day, and all the normal noises were gone. And when he saw off to the side a snake, a cobra, and his head was slowly bobbing, he was weaving as if fixed upon a small bird perched on the lower branch of a shrub, and the bird seemed paralyzed. Un- incapable of flight Envious braced for a strike from that snake But he wanted to save the bird too So he attempted to distract the snake And what he did he rushed toward it And started screaming and yelling and waving his hands And shouting loudly And his effort was successful The snake's arresting stare was broken And the bird free of the hypnosis Instantly spread its wings and flew skyward I see a picture of this in a spiritual realm in human beings. The difficulty of living out of the soul, highly influenced by the issues of evil that are trying to paralyze us and put us in a a state of hypnosis. In the Lord's Prayer, the sixth petition of the Lord's Prayer is simply this, deliver us from evil. Everybody say, "Deliver deliver us. You need to say that Lord's Prayer every day and stop on that sixth petition and say, Lord, deliver us from evil but it's followed by, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Somebody say amen. Amen. So how is the stare of the snake broken? Who has the power to break the stare of the snake? What does the flight of a liberated life look like? Good question. It demands some answers. That's the reason that I come to this pulpit never without passion never without a heart full of what I want to say in the spirit. That's the reason we cannot waste one service. That's the reason we must praise him. That's why the praise and worship team must be its best at all times. That's why worship has to break the barrier of the first heaven and the second heaven. And we must go to the throne room of the third heaven with our praise and worship. The first heaven's what you see. The second heaven is what Satan rules, but that third heaven is where God resides. And when you signature your praise with the name of the Lord, you can break through the second heaven and you can go to that place where Jesus resides. I'm telling you, we cannot waste a service. We must break the stare of the serpent and live righteously and godly in this present world. Ah. From one Sunday to the next, the stare of the the snake has tried to hypnotize people and bring them to a spiritual swoon. We cannot throw away one service. There are no throwaways now. They must all count. Folks, I don't say it often, but the Lord is coming soon. This is the first time I have heard people during this pandemic have asked the Lord to take us out of this. And perilous times will come, and they'll continue to come. But you hear me, there will always be a church until he comes yes. and takes us out of here. Yes. Clap your hands for that right now. Clap your hands for that right now. There'll always. Always. There are two sources of evil. One is external, the world in which we live, and the other is the human soul. Matthew chapter 15 says, for out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, and blasphemies. These are the things that defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. (laughs) They told us to wash our hands a lot during this pandemic. (laughs) I want to quote Matthew 15 to them. (laughs) The Bible talks about the beautiful humankind, Adam and Eve. They walked with God. They enjoyed awesome fellowship. They were made in God's image. They reflected God's glory. What was their thought process? I wonder. Their communication skills. How was it then? In the age of what we call innocence. Yet the stare the stare of the of the snake got them, and man is still reeling today from the bitter sin question. Tolzer once said the heart is like a planet that quits revolving around the sun. Because some strange object from outer space has come close enough to draw it away. That's powerful stuff, Dr. Tozer. And although we were created in innocence, the stare stare of the snake has created a pitiful saying quoted by the prophet, there is none righteous. Hear me, we need to treat every day like we need God more than our next breath. We need to treat every prayer meeting like we need him in our family like nobody else. We don't need to have, worry about having the coolest friends. I was with a man the other day that is a blessed man, and he's one of my dear friends in this church. And he made this statement to me. He said, Pastor, I'd rather be with the poorest man in Puerto Rico that knew Jesus than the richest man in Austin that didn't know one thing about him because there's something about being with people of God, you grow stronger, you get better. Come on, you get better. Turn to somebody, turn to somebody. Say, I'm better when I'm worshiping with you. Come on, I'm better. I'm better when I'm worshiping with you. Why don't you clap your hands all over this house right now and thank God for your fellow brothers and sisters that are here magnifying the Lord with you. I'm not far from finishing, but there's a joy in knowing the peace of God with our brothers and with our sisters. The stare of the snake brings addictive habits. It brings patterns of life. It brings mood swings. And it brings feelings about something or people. We don't need that in our life. A person can become captive to ambitions, to desires, to lust, to pleasures, to things, strange appetites. Many learn the scam game, cheating others, rectifying yourself, justifying behavior. That's not the will of God in God's kingdom. Everybody say, Jesus, I need you. Jeremiah 17 said, The heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? Romans 3.23 said, All have sinned and come short. Someone must break the stare, the stare of the snake. And I put on the screen, Jesus can, Jesus will, Jesus did, and Jesus still does. The leper said, Jesus, if you will, you can make me whole. And Jesus said, I will be thou made whole. Jesus can, Jesus will. Jesus did at the cross, and Jesus still does. When the enemy comes after you, quote that right there. Take a picture of that, put that on your refrigerator. Jesus can, Jesus will. That's an original Rex right there. Jesus did, and Jesus still does. Jesus can, Jesus will. Jesus did, and he still does. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. I think I'll just bless myself on that one. His sacrificial death at Calvary's cross unleashed a power that stymies the enemy, that can both convert and transform. Now, I'm going to to preach one last thing here, and I'm going to call it a night. Thank God for every convert here tonight. Aren't you glad the Lord saved you? Come on, raise your hand. Aren't you glad the Lord brought salvation to you? Come on. Thank God for every conversion in this house, every soul that's found God, every life that's been changed. I love it. Let me differentiate, though, between conversion and transformation. Conversion is to adapt to a new set of beliefs, to change systems, to change to a different form. But transformation is a metamorphosis, to change into in condition, nature, or character, like a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. Listen to me. The same power that converted you to new ideas and new beliefs can transform you and literally give you a brand new character. Conversions bring great beginnings. Transformations come with time and bring great endings. (laughs) Folks, let me tell you something. I got got saved, baptized when I was seven years old. I received the Holy Spirit when I was nine years old. And you know what? I could rest on the laurels of that for the rest of my life saying I was the youngest in the church to ever get the Spirit. I was the youngest in the church to ever get baptized, but that don't work. I was converted, but I need Jesus to keep transforming me. I need the transformational power of God to work in my life. Every day I need to get better. I heard an old preacher say one time, dear God, he was old. He was 65. I heard him say one time at a camp, he said, I want every day to be better than the last day. I can get better today. I can be better today. Can you make that statement in your life? I can be better tomorrow than I am today. I'm going to walk with God more fully. You can do that. God is transforming us into his image. And every day that we live, the closer we get to his coming, and we need to be more like him every day than we were the day before. Clap your hands and say, I'm in that crowd. I want to do that in my life. Hallelujah. That's why Paul said in Romans 12, be not conformed, but be transformed. Be transformed in the Old Testament. Rand, if you'll help me. Lambs and bullocks were tied to the horns of the altar and they were sacrificed. Now, there's no strings. There's no ropes. You must do it yourself. You have to put yourself on the altar and say, transform me, Lord. Make me a better person. Make me a better husband. Make me a better dad. There were times when I was a young pastor and I had a little boy named Justin, a little girl named Misty. In Dallas, that I wanted to raise perfect kids. And so Misty, who is still alive and kicking, got a lot of spankings from her mother because I told her mother to go spank her. She needed that. And I thought I had it all together, you know. I really did. And one day, the Lord pitied me enough to talk to me about that. And he said, Every time you made a mistake, if I whipped you like that, would you want to be my child? And I said, no, Lord, I wouldn't. He said, why don't, you, why don't you give that child some grace and give that child some hope and let her know that she's doing some good things in life. And I said, okay, Lord. I don't know how well it worked, but she's never left the church and she's our office manager and she pops a good whip now Everybody in that office raised two wonderful Christian boys. One's going to marry in the church. I love that. Because you know, you don't have it all together when you first find Jesus and you first become a parent, you first become a husband or a wife. But let God's love and grace transform you. Let it keep working on you. And be better tomorrow than you were today. Is this all right? Be better tomorrow than you was today. Saul became Paul. He was converted in one day, but the transformation was over a lifetime. Every day, every day, every day, every day, every day, every day got better. In Acts 26, he told Agrippa, I cast saints in prison. I put them to death. I cast my vote against them. I punished them. I compelled them to blaspheme. I was exceedingly enraged against them. I persecuted them, even in foreign cities. But in 2 Corinthians, after a while of walking with God, he said, though our outward man perish, our inner man is renewed. Every day. Every day. There's a, little, there's a little room. That's a little shortcut to the office right there. That door's supposed to be always locked and it's for the staff. But in, that, in there is a little room that would make a great storage room. But I, I discovered today it made a great prayer room. I locked myself away in there and I walked in there. And I said, God, I want to be the best preacher I can be on March 3rd tonight. And I want you to walk with me. I want you to help me talk to these people because the life God blesses is not a life that says, I was converted in 1959 and that's good enough for me. No, no, it's an everyday walk. It's an everyday walk. We were married back in 62 and I told my wife I loved her then and if it ever changed, I'd let her know and it hadn't changed so I never told her I love her again because it ain't never changed <laughs> how the how it works it's everyday it's a daily walk with God it's a daily walk with God it's a daily walk with God not just when you get in trouble need a bail bondsman no not when you're needing somebody to bail you out and pull you out of a ditch no 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 it's an everyday it's when you're on the mountaintop it's still saying God I love you yeah. it's when you're in the valley I love you God When you're walking through the fire, I love you It's when you're walking through a good part of life, I love you You're still my Savior It's transformation every day Every day, every day So as the monk on the bicycle I must rush to you on Sunday and Wednesday To get the stare of the snake Away from you It's more than a conversion, it's a transformation You either become Transfixed by the stare Or transformed by the spirit It's your choice It's your choice and i close with this story a french soldier injured on the front line told the doctor that had him on the table dig a little deeper doc and you'll find napoleon the emperor in there somewhere (laughs) i wonder what does god find when he probes a little deeper in us does he find a god factor does he find a world factor david said he restores my soul and my soul is going to be restored tonight. Would you stand? The great 20th century spiritual leader, Samuel Shoemaker, who played a significant role in the development of Alcoholics Anonymous, seems to have been telling us something of his mission when he wrote, please hear this, what he wrote, I stand by the door. I neither go too far in nor stay too far out. The door is the most important door in the world. It's the door through which men walk when they find God. There's no use by going way inside and staying there when so many are still outside and they, as much as I, crave to know where the door is. The most tremendous thing in the world is for men to find that door, the door to God. The most important thing any man can do is to take hold of one of those blind groping hands and put it on the latch, the latch that only clicks and opens to a man's own touch. So I stand by the door and wait for those who seek it. I'd rather be a doorkeeper, so I stand by the door. So today, I thank the Lord for 31 years here. I thank the Lord for going on 51 years of ministry. I I love you, but I don't need that. Thank you, honey. I thanked him for it. But I said, Lord, I wanna ask you a question. Am I better off today? Am I closer to you today than I was five years ago, 10 years ago, am I closer? Are you still transforming me? Are you still making me love people greater? Are you still causing me to love my family to a deeper devotion? Am I still loving you like I should love you? Do I still appreciate what you did for me on the cross? I really asked him that today, and I couldn't ask him without crying. (laughs) Because if you knew my story, if you knew where I came from, if you knew how deep we were in poverty and never thought we could get out of that hole It wasn't a sin question, it was a poor question. We just didn't ever think we'd make it. And God finally brought us out. He finally brought us out and my dad and mom started doing better. And then the first church I ever took, I didn't ever think we was gonna get that church going. We were so in debt. I took a church in debt and that church stayed in debt. But God brought us out. Hallelujah and I got close to God in those times and I called on the name of the Lord in those times. And now we've got this beautiful place here. I'm honored to stand on this platform and preach to people on Wednesday night, but I want to tell you, I want him to transform me even greater than I've ever been transformed in my life. I want to grow in him. I want to grow in him. I want to get bigger. I want to get stronger in him. And I want all of you to go with me. Let's go somewhere, all right? (laughs) you <laughs>